Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. Aren't you glad God's here even when we don't feel Him? I'm glad we can feel Him, Gator. I'm glad we can feel him, but I'm glad that God shows up when we don't even realize him. Sometimes we don't acknowledge him. Sometimes we don't praise him enough. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8 and 9. I've got a lot of scripture, and if I'm not careful, I can get bogged down today, but I believe I've got a word that God wants us to hear. Because, you know, we've, we've seen the news. We know what's going on in the world. But I'm glad that God is still in control. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8 and 9. This was when Paul, excuse me, when Isaiah was getting his vision from the Lord. Now, he had already been ministering. He would already been a prophet But God was appearing to him and giving him a new touch. Now, folks, we need to understand if Isaiah could get a new touch, how much more we need a new touch too. But in 6, 8, it says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. In verse 9, he says, And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but you do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Keep on hearing, but you don't understand. You keep on seeing, but you do not perceive. My message today is ever seeing, but never perceiving. Isaiah, this verse was quoted by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Ever Perceiving, but never seeing. One of the greetings in the early church, when I see the early church, I'm talking about right after Christ's resurrection. One of the early greetings was Maranatha. Maranatha. Now there's a number of thoughts about what exactly that meant, the ideas and the significance, but it's mostly accepted as it was two Aramaic words making up one Greek expression. Some say it was more of a song. Maranatha, equal courses. But it was something that was used early, one of the earliest prayers of the church. But it literally means our Lord comes or our Lord is coming. Easton defines it as our Lord is coming and he will judge those who have set him at naught. It's an amazing thing because today we can say Maranatha, our God has come. We can also say Maranatha, our God is here. He has come. But we also say, Maranatha, he is what? Coming. Our Lord is coming. 
Now, we spoke Wednesday night, started a series, and I wanted to teach of characters in the book of Judges, and I hadn't really got to a character yet. But we spoke Wednesday night of regardless of how bad it is, regardless of how bad it gets, God is still in control. Now, I know some of you have probably heard saying, Pastor, it's never been this bad. Folks, we are spoiled. I, I, I mean, we're spoiled. What do you mean it's never been this bad? Have any of you had to do without eating because you didn't have the money? Most of us haven't. Some of us could probably miss a few and never miss it. I mean, you say, well, Pastor, what are you? hey, I've been expanding in the ministry for 50 years. But we say it's bad. You know, when the book of First Samuel was written, it was bad. I said it was bad. I'm not going to re-preach my Wednesday night message. You can find it online. But let me just give you a little bit of taste of it. How bad was it? Well, the two sons of Levi, Eli were soliciting prostitution in the temple or what the temple they had. They were scoundrels, and they were the church leaders. The book of Judges closes with a civil war. You say, a civil war? Yeah. Between Israel and Benjamin. The nation of Israel, uh, Egypt, Benjamin, excuse me, was totally wiped out except for 600 men. You see what's going on in, in, in Israel today? It, it was just that bad. They were killing. They killed all the women, all the children, all the babies. Everybody was killed. And that was from their own people. And I looked it up. I don't, I don't know why I thought about this, but I, when I said civil war, I said, you know, let me just compare. There was more people killed in that war of just a few days than there was at the Battle of Gettysburg. It was bad. But regardless of how bad it gets, I said regardless of how bad it gets, our God is still in control. And we can say, Maranatha, our Lord has come. Our Lord is coming. And we look and we look at the news. I'll have to say, I don't watch much news. It's so depressing. And they don't tell us what the problems are. They, I mean, they don't tell us the solution. They just tell us all the problems. I'm smart enough to know what the problem is. I need a solution. And we have the solution because Jesus has come. <laughs> because Jesus has come. Jesus is coming. And I know some of you say, well, Pastor, we, we, we know that. But, but what do we do next? What do we do now? What do we focus on? That's a good question. Those are good questions. And there are multiple answers. What do we focus 
or I think we could say, what do we not focus on? Because a lot of our problems, we're focusing on the wrong things. I said, we're focusing on the wrong things. We're focusing on the negativity. Now, let me go ahead and say this early on. I said at the tail end of this morning, and I, I had to kind of apologize because uh, somebody might take it wrong. Because uh, somebody has asked me, who do you think's the Antichrist going to be? And this is my answer, and I know it offends some of you. I don't give a rip. Because my God's bigger. My God's bigger. I, it doesn't bother me who the Antichrist And so for those prophecy scholars out there, please forgive me. I don't mean to be offensive. But my God's bigger than that. Because Jesus come. Because Jesus come. And guess what? He's not just come. He's coming back. And today, while some of us or many of us are looking at Jesus' second return, there's about two billion people in the world that never knew he came the first time. So we got a job to do. But the early church would read each other. Our Lord has come. He's coming. Did any of you grow up under hellfire and brimstone preaching? Now, I want to tell you, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I believe it scared a lot of people out of hell. Huh? But the rapture of the church is not something to fear. I mean, you, you know how kids get at Christmas? Here comes Santa Claus. We ought to be a lot more excited than that. Here comes Jesus. He's coming. They would greet each other. See, when Jesus walked the earth in his earthly body, word would go out, Jesus is coming. And I'm sure there were probably a few, just like today, there's a few people afraid of Jesus. But I can tell you, Gator, probably most of them said, Jesus is coming. I want to go see Jesus. I want to go touch Jesus. I want to go where he can touch me. Because Jesus is passing by. Those were words of encouragement. They wanted to see him. They wanted to touch him. They wanted to know who he was. Now, there's a verse in the Bible that's often quoted exactly right. But it's misunderstood. In its simplicity... It becomes so complex we can't understand it. You say, what's the verse? Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now the ESV says a little bit differently. Where it says 29, 18, it says this. Where there is no prophetic vision... The people cast off restraints. But blessed is he who keeps the law. They, they say, well, that sounds like it's contradictory, but it's really not. Because see, the vision that's talked about there is the same vision that, that Isaiah was saying. The vision is there, but people don't see it. They can see it, but they don't understand. 
Because where there is no direction, people cast off restraint. We need direction. We need a focus. We need a vision and prophetic direction. And I know, and I praise God for those uh, prophets that get divine prophetic revelation. But anytime we preach the word, that's a prophetic utterance. I said that's prophetic because it's giving, because the word prophecy does not mean foretelling. It means, I mean, it means for, not foretelling, it means foretelling. Telling the truth. And we need to understand that the church needs directions. And without prophetic direction, we get lost. I know that you've never noticed it. I know that you would never, never do this. But I've seen it happen on Interstate 75 that as I get going and I wonder, well, what's going on? Everybody's slowing down and it's getting to be almost a traffic jam. Must be an accident. It wasn't an accident. It was a highway patrolman doing 68. And there's a lot of people not going to pass a highway patrolman doing 68. And I know some of you will say, what in the world are you talking about? I'm just telling you that when there's some restraint there, it affects us. When we have restraints, and aren't you glad that God gives us some restraint? He gives us some directions. So he says, without a vision, people perish. Or without restraint, people drive 95 mile an hour. Now, you know it's true. You've been on 75, and you might be doing 85, and there's somebody past you like you're sitting still. Because you were restrained. You were holding back just 15 mile an hour over. But they had no restraint. And so without a restraint, we perish. Now, we need direction. Look at the direction Paul gave the church at Thessalonica. And because he gave it to the church at Thessalonica, he gives it to us. And I know some of you say, well, Pastor, you read some of those verses recently. That's right. But how many knows it's still good today? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. That means those that have died. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. I've been doing way too many funerals lately. But I'm so thankful that almost every one of them, all of them that I'm aware of, I did it for somebody that had hope. I'm going to see them again. See, it wasn't goodbye. It was see you later. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede these who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of a command, with the voice of an archangel, and the voice sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. So scare one another to death with these words. 
No. Encourage one another with these words. Drop down to chapter 5, verse 6. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who are asleep sleep at night and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on a breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or sleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Drop down to verse 23. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. And he will surely do it. Now, folks... I try to be good. I said, I try to be good, but I'm not always successful. My wife says some people are paid to be good. I'm just good for nothing. <laughs> but I, I try to do the right things. Bill tries to do the right things. Gator tries to do it, but you, know, you don't always make it. You say, well, why are you telling us that? I'm glad to tell you this, not because how good we are. It's how faithful he is. It says, who who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. Because God has redeemed us. He has set us free. He has prepared us for eternity. And so we can say today, Maranatha, Maranatha, he has come. He is here and he is coming. And we need to be ready because we need to get ready. Jesus is coming. We need to stay ready. Why? Because Jesus is coming. Without a vision, without seeing, people perish. Without being able to comprehend, people perish. That's my introduction. John chapter 4. Awesome story. I love this story. Jesus meets the woman at the well. But he doesn't just meet her. He opens her eyes so she can see. Oh, say, well, she wasn't blind. She was spiritually blind. Just like so many others are, they're spiritually blind. God had to reveal to her who he was. And I don't have time to get in all the background. But in chapter 3, Jesus met with a guy by the name of Nicodemus. We would say he was Mr. Big. Had in, he had intelligence. He had education. He had uh, a position. He had it all going for him. But, you know, Jesus never said and told him that he was the Messiah. Why? Because he met Nicodemus at his level of understanding. Nicodemus was an intellectual. How many knows that if you preach into mere gator, you would preach to us different than you would an intellectual? 
Right, Gator? Yes, sir. Now, why? Because we would not understand some. I, I've talked to some people that they were educated way beyond their intelligence. I couldn't understand it. And I know you th understand. What, what did he do? He met Nicodemus at his level of understanding and at his point of need. Now, he met the need. But I love the fact he met this woman at the well. They came at noon. I'm not going to read the scriptures. You can read it. Came at noon. Now, why would she come at noon? Why would you come in the middle of the day to get water? Because that's the time the misfits came. See, the good people came at other time. They came to meet with their friends. But she came at noon because most of the good people didn't want to be around her. Why? Well, number one, she was a Samaritan. The Jews considered Samaritans dogs. I said the Jews considered Samaritans dogs. Jesus was not supposed to even speak to her. Much less carry on the conversation. Why else was she there? Because she had been married five times. And the man she was living with was not her husband. But you know what Jesus told her? Mm. Let's look in chapter 4. Let's read just a couple of verses. Verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him and he would have given you living water. <laughs> the woman said, Hey, I like that. If I can get water, sir, he said, How, how are you going to get water when you don't even have a bucket? The well's deep. How are you going to give it to me? Where are you going to get living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty. Wow. How many thinks that sounded good? She didn't understand what he was talking about. She said, if I can drink today, that means I don't have to come get any water tomorrow. I won't have to walk here in the middle of the day to get water. Hey, that sounds good. See, she heard, but she didn't understand. But the longer Jesus talked to her, the more she began to see. The more she began to understand that Jesus had come. Jesus had come. He says, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place to, where people all worship. What was she doing? She's doing the same thing that a lot of people do with you when you want to witness to them. Want to argue the Bible. They want to argue denomination. Jesus didn't go there. He said the time is coming and now is. Now how could he say that? Because Jesus had come. 
And now it's being fulfilled in your ears that Jesus is here, and it really doesn't matter where you worship. Now, I love the assemblies of God. Thank God for the assemblies of God. But my assembly of God preaching card's not going to get me into heaven. What's going to get me into heaven is because I've met the Jesus who came. And the Jesus who's coming back for us. Oh, my goodness. See, from that point on, she had a vision. What was her vision? She now had a purpose. See, that's what that verse means. It says people without a purpose or vision, they perish. Because without a purpose, we wander aimlessly. But God gives each one of us a purpose. God gives us, each one of us, a purpose of living. And what did she do? She left her water bucket. What'd she come for? She come to get water. But she left her bucket. And she went to get her friends. Said, y'all have got to come see. <laughs> see what I saw. And you know what? When they first got back, they said, we came because she told us, but now we believe because we saw it. She had a purpose. She went and gathered her friends. How many knows that her past could have destroyed her? I said her past could have destroyed her. One of the things that we have to ask our question and have a vision, if you're looking behind you, you can't run the race. She could have looked back and said, I've been married five times. That sorry rascal I'm with now, I'm not even married to him. She could have lamented over all of her problems. But all of a sudden, she perceived. She saw that Jesus had come and that he was the one that she was to believe in. Now, she went and gathered her friends. And again, her past could have destroyed her. Some of you are struggling not because of the lack of God's ability to do something, but because you're dwelling in the past. You're walking in the past. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. He said, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfect, but I press on. I press on to make it my own. In other words, I got a purpose. I've got a, a, a vision I can see. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining what lies forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal. Press on upward for the call of Christ. Let those of us who are mature think this. And if anyone think otherwise, God would reveal 
that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. Let's, let's thank God for what got us this far. We've got to lay those things behind us. That woman at the well could have really been destroyed if she'd have focused on her past. Now, this is my opinion. And as I've told you many times, my opinion won't buy you a cup of coffee. I think Paul struggled with his past. You say, why would I say that? Because he kept calling himself the chiefest of sinners. I'm the worst of the worst. I'm a rascal. You say, well, how did he overcome it? When Jesus said, my grace is sufficient. Forget the past, Paul. So forget the past and press on toward the mark of the high calling. And he said, I press on. I press on. Why was he pressing on? Because he comes. He came and he's coming. Go on to well. Could have been consumed with her past. Instead, instead, she focused on the right now. And that was something the disciples needed to learn. See, they went to get groceries because they were assembly of God and they needed to eat and greet. <laughs> they went to get something to eat. But if you read between the lines, they didn't want to stop at Samaria. They wanted to get to Jerusalem where they could minister. And Jesus took time and again paraphrasing. He told those guys, he said, fellas, look. The fields are wide in the harvest. Don't say it's four months. Now I'm going to put this in paraphrase Strickland rendition. He said, listen, guys. You think we can get up to Jerusalem, it's time to minister. But I want you to look at the fields. And I believe he pointed at that woman and all her friends coming. Said, that's a harvest. That's a harvest. I've already mentioned Wednesday nights is rough around here. We've had to borrow a bus. Why? You've got three buses, yeah, but we needed four in a van. Praise God. Way beyond what we expected, Gator. Praise God. But God is doing something. I said, God is doing something. And I thank God for the opportunity that is given us. And I'm willing to drive that bus. Amen. You say, you have to drive? Yeah. If you've got a CDL, we'll let you replace me. <laughs> and I'll sit there and cheer you on. <laughs> because I'm going to tell you that the harvest is there. Come on, Pastor. And we need to remember Maranatha. Yes. Jesus has come. And Jesus is coming we need to press on. I love a quote from Max Lucado. 
in his book, God is with you every day. I thought about it when I was thinking about this woman at the well. When I thought about Paul. When I thought about me. I will not let past failures haunt me. Even though my life is scarred by mistakes, I refuse to rummage through my trash heap of failures. I will admit them, I will correct them, and I will press on. Paul says, I'll press on. I'll focus on the prize. Why? He said, because Jesus is coming. And we can't focus on the past. We've got to focus on the future. But if we can't learn from the past, I said, if we can't learn from the past, we can't face the future because we do the same mistakes. Listen to what said in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen. How many of you have seen God do some awesome things? How many knows that He came, but He's still here and He's coming back? Make them known to your children and your children's children. How on that day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb. And it goes on and tells them all the things we good. And it says, and the Lord commanded me at that time to teach your statutes and rules that you might do them in the land that you're going over to possess. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully since you saw no form of on that day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire. He said, remember what God has done for you. Remember the blessings that God has done. And Psalm <clears throat> Psalm chapter 105. And as you can tell, I'm trying to hurry. Psalm 105, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all of his wondrous works. That's what praise is. We tell in all of his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that God has done. His miracles and the judgments he has ordered. If we look at the earth, we're going to see earthly things. Peter asked the question, what sort of people should we be? Isn't that a good question? What sort of people should we be? Well, he answers that. He asks the question in verse 11 of chapter 3. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be? And lives of holiness and godliness. I think the answer is we have to keep our focus. I said we have to keep our focus. Gator, we got to put our game face on. Because we're in a battle. 
But it's not a battle that we lose. It's a battle we win. You say, well, man, look at everything around you. I don't care if you're down 29 to nothing. You can come back and win, right? For those of you football fans, that happened yesterday. I'm glad that our God is victorious. Let me read. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved. That with the Lord, one day is a thousand years. And a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. He's coming. Like a thief in the day, in the, then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved in the earth, and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And since all these things are to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burnt. But according to his promise, we're waiting for the new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Jesus comes. Maranatha, Jesus comes. He came and he is coming again. That's nothing to be scared of. Say, wait a minute. Oh, I, I'm not ready. That's not God's fault. I said, that's not God's fault. He's made the, he's already paid for the ticket. All you've got to do is buy the ticket. Say, I don't have any money. You can buy it for nothing. Come on. It's a free gift for God to love the world that he gave. And that's the reason we need to have a vision, a purpose for being. The purpose of the church is not just to have a nice building. The purpose of the church is to promote the kingdom of God. And it's time for the church to quit going to church and start being the church. Why do we partake of communion? Does everybody have your communion? Now, just a reminder, start at the bread. Why do we have communion? As a reminder. As a reminder of what? A reminder that Jesus has come. A reminder that he's coming again. That's the reason that we have communion. The same night in which Jesus was betrayed. He took the bread. And after he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. I want us to enter into 
a time of meditation, but also a time of praise. Because, friends, we win. And today we're looking back to the broken body. We're looking back to the cross. We're looking back to the empty tomb. And we're looking forward to when Jesus comes for his church. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I sense in my spirit that God is wanting to touch some physical bodies. That God's wanting to not just help us to feel good in our spirit, but He's wanting us to be healed. I believe He's wanting to set some people free. So as we continue in this communion, let's prepare our hearts to receive what God has for us as we remember the past and as we look forward to the future. Because in the same way, you took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant or the new testament in my blood. Do this as you often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I'm going to ask you if you're able to stand to do so. And let's partake of the cup. Holy Father. Holy Father. Jesus comes. You came to this earth, lived a sinless life, performed so many miracles, but then you died, not because of your guilt, but because of our guilt. Your body was broken. Stripes were laid upon your back because you came. You came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And Father, we're looking forward as we partake this cup today, God, that you would help us to proclaim Maranatha. He has come. He has come. He is here, and he is coming, Lord. 
Minister by your power. Minister by your power. I'd like to encourage everyone, if you're able to, as we're standing here, to worship the Lord together as a praise, as a praise of honor of what He has done for us and in us and through us. If you need prayer, the altars are open. Someone will meet you here and pray with you. But let's just claim our healing. Let's claim our victory in Him. Let's worship the Lord together for a few moments today before you leave. Would you do that with me? Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.